Thank you. That was just perfect. (laughs) Our second passage this morning is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 on page 154 of the New Testament section of your pew Bibles if you want to follow along. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Please pray with me. O God of a thousand names and faces, teach us to know and to love you. Amen. I say a little prayer. You are in my prayers. Please pray for me. Let us pray. These words trip easily off of our tongues in church. Praying is what we do. Prayer and scripture are the pillars of our worship and much of our life together. And yet I probably hear more questions about prayer than any other spiritual issue. Behind these questions lie our beliefs about what prayer is. Most people think of prayer as asking God for something. Our scripture passages today support this. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In the First Thessalonians passage, he writes, Beloved, pray for us, meaning something like, Pray for our well-being, for our ministry, for our ability to persevere. The challenge in looking at prayer as asking for something is that it raises more questions than it answers. Doesn't God already know what we need? Doesn't this kind of prayer treat God as some kind of Wizard of Oz, some kind of divine jukebox, plug in your prayer instead of a quarter and get your wish? What about all those people praying their hearts out who don't get the job, don't get cured of cancer, don't avoid the foreclosure, don't manage to keep their kids off drugs? What about all the people whose lives are scarred by terrorism or earthquake, warfare, wildfire? Do they just not pray hard enough? As a philosophy professor once put it, If God can influence the course of events, then a God who is willing to cure colds and provide parking spaces, but is not willing to prevent Auschwitz and Hiroshima, is morally repugnant. The Philippians passage actually offers us some help with this. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request Be made known to God. Let your requests be made known. Let your heart, your desires, your longings be made known to God. Bring it to God. Bring it all to God. A couple of years ago, a poll showed that while people most frequently pray for their family and friends and their own struggles, 
About 13% say they pray for sports teams. And 21% pray that they'll win the lottery. Now, as it happens, I don't pray for the Oakland A's. They could use it. (laughs) I don't play the lottery. But I don't condemn anyone who prays this way. Really, I don't. I know Paul didn't have sports teams in mind when he said, in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. He didn't, but he didn't say, only bring certain approved topics and concerns to God. He said, bring it all, bring everything, bring the whole contents of your heart. Why? Why pray for the A's to win when it's painfully obvious that this year anyway that doesn't even work? (laughs) Inevitably, the conversation about prayer turns to whether prayer works or whether our prayers are answered. This is a subject of deep mystery and people have different experiences. I'm not going to pretend that I have that question all figured out, but I will say that even in Luke's gospel, when Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. He doesn't say, Ask, and exactly what you prayed for will be given to you. In these verses in Luke, Jesus explains that what you will be given is a good gift. You will be given the good gift of the presence of God. That's what we get when we pray. We get God. That's how prayer works. The reason we pray is to have a relationship with the God of the universe, a conversation with the God of the universe. One day when the Baptist evangelist Tony Campolo came out of church, a woman confronted him and said, Do you know, sir, that you made four grammatical errors in your prayer this evening? Campolo responded, that's okay, ma'am, I wasn't talking to you anyway. (laughs) The purpose of prayer is not to get what we want. It's to get to know God. As an old holy man once said, God looks at me, I look at God. That is prayer. Richard Rohr describes this as getting tuned, tuned into God in such a way, eventually, writes Rohr, that all you know is that you are being led, being guided, being loved, being used, being prayed through. He says instead of the word prayer, which has been overused and misused, he likes the word resonance, being tuned in. Now, how do we get tuned into God this way? In Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, he tells the community to pray without ceasing. Now, I think our first reaction to this might be, well, that's fine if you're some kind of monk or something. But the thing is, Paul didn't send his letter to a monastery. Thessalonica was a Greek port city in the province of Macedonia. It was a trade hub on a major Roman highway. This community would have been very aware of how their values and priorities stood against the surrounding culture, the culture that had been their culture until their conversion. They probably faced pressures to turn back to that old way of life. Paul sends this letter to them in their ordinary everyday lives to encourage them to stand firm in their faith and to develop disciplines that will help them to do that. 
disciplines that normal people can do in their normal lives. So what it might mean to pray without ceasing in the context of our real non-monk-like lives might be something more like what uh, being in a state of prayer. And by that I mean being in an awareness that we belong to the God who created us, the God who loves us and claims us, and always, always leads us toward what we're created to be, if we just pay attention. This certainly includes bringing everything to God, everything, everything, the A's, the lottery, everything. This is modeled for us in the Psalms, which are full of pain and fear and anger, including anger at God. While people tend to put on their best manners when talking to God, I think God wants it all. I love a short poem by Margaret Mitchell, who writes, Sometimes, when it is all finally too much, I climb into my car, roll the windows up, and somewhere between backing out the driveway and rounding the next corner, I let out a yell that would topple Manhattan. How do you pray? Sometimes we pray just because we can't help it, because there's nowhere else to go. I like Mitchell's poem because it not only does it challenge our polite Sunday best approach to prayer, but also our notion that prayer has to involve words that we read or say or think. The kind of prayer that ta- Paul is talking about and the resonance that Richard Rohr talks about can be practically anything we do if we're paying attention. Some people call this practicing the presence of God, a phrase that came from a 17th century Carmelite monk, Brother Lawrence, who found that whether he was scrubbing pots in the kitchen or digging in the garden, he could do it with an awareness and gratitude for God's presence. Some people use the phrase attention and intention. You pay attention to what you're doing, you're present in the moment, and you hold the intention of doing whatever you're doing as a prayer, as something done in the presence of God, in conversation with God. This is what we did a couple of years ago when we as a congregation folded paper cranes to send to the First Presbyterian Church in Ferguson, Missouri. It was when that community was struggling with the death of Michael Brown and the community had reacted to it. Each folded paper crane, origami crane, was a symbol of peace, a wordless prayer for that community, and a symbol of encouragement for them and for us. I decided that if scrubbing pots and folding paper cranes could be a prayer, then folding laundry could be a prayer. Now, I don't want the rest of my family to start telling me that they won't fold laundry because they wouldn't dream of disrupting my prayer life. (laughs) But what I learned is that folding my son's basketball shorts is a prayer for my son. I have yet to be able to make a prayer out of sorting socks, (laughs) but I'm working on it. There's a still more profound question about the purpose of prayer. Why should we want to be tuned in to God in the first place? Why would a relationship with God, why would would we want to get God in prayer? 
The answer, my friends, is that an encounter with God changes us. As Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that you may prove what is the will of God. Prayer is about changing us, not about changing God. It is about changing us so that we can change the world. Prayer opens our hearts to the needs and struggles of others and to our own limits, our own need for God. Prayer opens us to the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us in ways that aren't necessarily rational or obvious, except maybe we all get it, that whenever you spend a lot of time with someone, it changes you. When we spend a lot of time with God, it changes us. That is why we pray. So my friends, keep on praying. Pray with words, pray without words. Pray by folding cranes or folding clothes. Pray by screaming in your car with the windows rolled up. Pray by singing or dancing or laughing. Pray by walking on the mountain or walking through your neighborhood. Pray by doing yoga or holding someone's hand. Pray by tying a strip of fabric on our election season prayer net. Pray your pain and pray your joy. Pray your gratitude and pray your desperate hopes. Pray things like, thank you for the sunrise, for the beauty of this music this morning. Oh God, I'm afraid. Christ, it hurts. Lord, be with her. Pray the whole contents of your hearts. There's a line in an old hymn in our hymnal. Take it to the Lord in prayer. May it be so for you and for me. Amen. Amen.